Howdy, and welcome to our talk show, Innovation Matters. My name is Karok Ray. I'm a professor here at Texas A&M and director and founder of the Mays Innovation Research Center. Uh, just so you know, the Mays Innovation Research Center is an academic center at Texas A&M, and our mission is to understand innovation deeply uh, and to promote that knowledge across campus and beyond. We fund research, we host conferences, and we have uh, speakers coming in through campus all the time, in addition to this new uh, YouTube talk show and podcast. So we're delighted to have John Claybrook here with us today, uh, here in Aggieland. Uh, we are going to talk about innovation in, and entrepreneurship in uh, his career, uh, primarily waste management and, uh, and some of his new ventures. And uh, we're going to have a pretty open conversation, and, and, uh, and so let's just get started. John, welcome. Thank you so much, Croak. I'm glad to be here. Great. So, so John, tell me, uh, so you, you, tell me a little bit, I just want to know your background. Where did you grow up? Uh, how did you arrive at Texas A&M? Uh, what made you choose the Mays Business School? Yeah. Well, I grew up in Dallas. I, I graduated from Lake Highlands High School up in the Dallas area and uh, didn't really have any uh, preferences on when I went on, on where I was going to go to college. Uh, well, my junior year, a friend took me to a football game and uh, I, I, after that experience, I knew I didn't want to go anywhere else. It was the only place yeah. I wanted to go. I yeah. just got really uh, welcomed in by current students at A&M who were real nice to me and asking me questions. I thought, boy, this is great. And so after that weekend, I knew this is the only place I wanted to go. It was the only place I applied. And fortunately, I got in because I was not one of those top 10% students. Uh -huh. it, it wasn't guaranteed. Uh -huh. uh, <clears throat> but it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I had uh, a really outstanding four and a half years at A&M, and uh, it, it changed my life in a lot of ways. That's great. That's great. Tell me, uh, what, what, what did you major in, and what was, your, uh, what was sort of the, the highlight of your, on the academic side? Well, I studied finance, and on the academic side, uh, I like to tell people that I was in the top 10% of the bottom 10% <laughs> of my class in the Mays Business School. Uh, I was not a good student uh, and really uh, was a lot more interested in what was happening outside of the classroom, sure, and, sure. and that's where a lot of my education happened. Uh, I did. I, I was a participant in the Titans program uh -huh, there. Uh -huh. at, uh, yeah, it was just still running. Yeah, yeah. with Britt. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I don't know if they do this anymore, they send out everybody's resumes before right. the class starts. Right. So you get familiar with everybody. And I was flipping through these, and it was like, you know, 4.0 GPA, 3.85, 3.96, 4.0, 4.0, And then it came to John. It was like 2.8. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it was one of those situations where it's like, one of these things does not belong, and, and it is me. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But I had a great experience, and it, uh -huh. it was the best class I ever took at a and Is that right? Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. What was, like, what was the best part of it? It was, it, it was um, I liked that it wasn't particularly covering a, a, a specific financial topic. It, it was more about understanding the world and how the world works, and it uh -huh. gave me a broader perspective of business than I'd previously had. Uh, and and uh, Britt has that special effect on everybody that he touches yeah. um, and just imparting wisdom on people. And so I felt like I walked away from the class as a wiser young man than I was before I started. Yeah, yeah. 
That's great. So just, some of you may not know, uh, this class that John is speaking about is called Titans of Investing. One of the most successful programs here at Texas A&M. It's run for uh, several, several, uh, I want to say decades by now. Uh, Britt Harris, who is the CEO of Utimco, which is the entity that manage all, all, manages all of the A&M and UT endowments, uh, teaches this class uh, here on campus and at, at UT. Uh, Britt was actually the co-organizer uh, with me and Grant Weston of our Bitcoin conference last April. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, you know, he's got... I heard that was a smashing hit. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mostly because of Britt. I mean, <laughs> he's got an impressive Rolodex. And yes. so the smartest decision I made for that class was to host it on Britt's birthday. And so he just <laughs> called all of his friends and said, you got to show up for my birthday party, which is a Bitcoin conference. So Britt's a good friend, and he's uh, obviously one of the, a huge asset of the university. Absolutely. So tell me your, uh, what you did after leaving um, Mays. Did you dive into entrepreneurship right away? Sort of. You did? Yeah. Uh, well, I went to go work for, for a gentleman who had a handful of businesses, uh, and he needed some help running them. And so uh, I went and helped in Austin for a year and a half, two years, um, and kind of moved around politics for a little bit after that. Uh -huh. And then in 2017, uh, decided to start a trash business. Okay. And so that's really when my uh, experience in entrepreneurship uh, started to take off really fast. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you learn a lot quick whenever you start a business. And so I have to ask, why trash? How did you get there? That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> probably like a lot of your listeners, yeah. th there's folks that want to start a business someday, but they don't know what, what type of business it's going to be. And I was yeah. in a similar situation. I knew yeah. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I did not know what type of business it was going to be in. Yeah. Frankly, I didn't care. Yeah. I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. Right. Um, so I, I had this goal of wanting to help my parents retire by the time I turned 30. Uh -huh. uh, I set this goal when I was in college, and you know, we, we grew up without a whole lot of money, uh -huh. uh, and mom and dad weren't making a ton of money, uh, and it occurred to me that you know, life is expensive, and yeah. if mom and dad are ever going to retire, right. I probably need to do something about it. Right. And so I set this goal. Uh, I want to help them by the time that I turn 30. Well, <clears throat> I was 26 and uh, had about $100 in my bank account yeah. and didn't have any prospects of that changing anytime right. soon. Right. And decided, well, I think it's time to start a business. If I want to reach this goal, I'm going to have to build something fast. Right. Uh, and so uh, that's when I first started thinking real seriously about getting something off the ground. Uh -huh. Well, everything was an idea at that point, and I decided I needed to, to filter the ideas down. And so I set a few criteria. One, uh, I wanted it to have decent margins. You know, I was going to be real frustrated if for every dollar that was coming in, I was walking away with five cents, and right. so I wanted there to be decent margins. Right. Uh, I wanted to be able to start this business with $100,000 or less. Uh -huh. I'd never raised for a business before and didn't feel comfortable asking for more than a hundred grand. Uh -huh. And the third thing was I, I needed the business to be simple enough for a dummy like me to figure out relatively quickly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so 
I started looking at everything. I was living in an apartment at the time, and so I, I realized, okay, the, 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 line, the, the parking lines are painted in our parking garage. Some right. company did that. So I'd start doing research about striping companies. Yeah. Uh, there were you know, rails in the halls and fences, and so I'd look into all these different things and mark something off the list or keep something on the list. At this time, you were living in Austin, is that right? Yes. And were you employed at the time, or you had left your a prior job? Uh, I was in a transition period. Okay. I'd finished a project and okay. was kind of trying to decide what was next. Okay, so this is your full, you were putting full-time focus on this? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so anyways, we had this trash service yeah. at our apartment complex. Somebody came by our apartment unit five nights a week yeah. to take our trash from our doorstep to a trash compactor on the property. Uh-huh. I thought, boy, this is, a, this is a great, interesting little service. And so I started doing some research on it. I went out into our parking garage and spied on the person who was providing the service yeah. one night. I thought, boy, this is pretty simple. I think I could figure this out. Yeah. Well, I started doing some napkin math and thought, yeah, I think this meets my criteria. Huh. And so I decided this, this is going to be the business that I start. And so that's what I did. Wow. Wow. Wow, and uh, and so so now tell me um, how uh, tell me how, how I guess what was how did you do it I mean I mean how did, I'm guessing you didn't know that much about the trash <coughs> business that no. that was not a class you took at business school so. no they didn't have trashology <laughs> right right or, you know 105 there That's at right. the business school uh, well <coughs> I I mean it's it, the, the service itself is really simple yeah okay you provide trash cans for all the residents in an apartment complex. Uh-huh and you take their trash out for them. Right. Really simple. Right. All it really takes is some sweat okay. and okay. Uh, enough money to buy some trash cans. Uh-huh. Um, and so t- to get it started, I raised 100 grand. I was in one meeting and, um, and got a bank account set up uh-huh. and a you know, company agreement, all that kind of stuff uh-huh. Uh-huh. formed and went and started knocking on leasing office doors huh. uh, and got rejected every day for three months straight. You know, almost 90 days straight of getting told no by everybody. Right. It was very frustrating. And uh, finally, three months in, I got in touch with, I I heard that a property was opening up. They're having uh, an opening, like, ceremony or party, and that the owner of the property was going to be there. Uh And that he was an Aggie. Uh Oh, oh, great, great. And so I just showed up to this party. And I introduced myself to this man. I said, my name's John, I'm an Aggie, and I'd like to be your garbage man. <laughs> he said, great, let's get you signed up. And that's how my first deal got signed. Oh, wow, that's a great, that's actually a great story. That's yeah. a great story of the Aggie Network. Actually. Yeah, it is. Wow, wow. And so after that, uh, you know, I went out and set out 250 trash cans. Uh-huh. Uh, it was on July 5th, and I, I was, we picked up starting at 8 p.m. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm getting my trash clothes on and uh, was leaving our little itty-bitty apartment we were living in. And right. My wife said, where are you going? And I said, uh, I'm going to pick up trash, sweetie. I think we've talked about this. <laughs> this is a big night. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she said, well, you're not going by yourself. I'm coming with you. Oh, wow. And huh. so my wife came and picked up trash with me every night wow. for two months. Wow. Just, it was just the two of you when you? Just the two of us. Wow. Huh. And uh, she was she was huh. a great employee. Yeah, yeah. I only had to send her home one night for a bad <laughs> attitude. <laughs> and uh, we had a great time. Some great memories were made, me and her just slinging trash together. <laughs> and she 
earned a real appreciation for the type of work that we were doing. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. Uh, now, so let me, I guess, let me sort of understand the economics. Uh, were there other, there are, at the time, there were other companies in this space. Oh, yeah. Doing, so what, why did you believe that you could compete with those companies? Well, <clears throat> so there, there were, and this is, this is the setting for a lot of the blue collar business yeah. space. There's one or two national players yeah. that have just a gigantic market share of, yeah. of you know, the, the national market. Uh -huh. There's, uh, in, in this case with Trash, there were about 15 uh, mom and pop shops is what we consider them, just right. in one city. Uh, got a handful of employees. Yeah. And it's usually like a, a guy and his brother-in-law have managed to, yeah. to put together a, a pretty good little business. Uh -huh. uh, and then there's uh, what we consider a handful of regional players that in, in this case maybe were in all the major markets in Texas and uh -huh. had established a pretty solid business. Our theory, my theory was that uh, you can build a really good business uh, by being an outstanding regional service company. Uh -huh. And that's what we tried to do. We, we tried to do the simple things really well, provide an excellent service, be extremely responsive, do right by the customer. Right. And that's what we did. Uh, we ended up naming a few of those things. We, we called one of those things crazy customer service. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the idea was that if, if, our, if the customer thought that we were literally crazy, by the links that we went to to take care of them, yeah. then we'd done our job. Right. One example, I ended up bringing on an operating partner named Brian Skolsky, and we had an apartment complex that we were starting about 280 units. Uh -huh. We delivered all of our trash cans, and it was a, a six-story, it's called a mid-rise apartment uh -huh. complex. Uh -huh. And uh, delivering trash cans is no joke. It took like 10 man hours to do. It was yeah. a long work day. And a resident came out and said, uh, your trash can doesn't fit in my trash drawer. Uh -huh. I was like, what are you talking about, a trash drawer? I never heard, right. nobody told us about a trash drawer. Right. I was kind of thinking, well, you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And about 30 minutes later, some other resident said, well, your trash can doesn't fit in my trash drawer. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. well, this, this might be problematic. Yeah. About an hour later, somebody came out, your trash can doesn't fit in my trash drawer, and everybody's talking about it, and they're all mad. Oh, I see. I what see. are you talking about? So, well, we got an app for everybody who lives here, and everybody's mad about it. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, man, this is going to be a problem. Uh -huh. Well, it turned out, we didn't know this, their trash drawers required a specific type uh -huh. of trash can. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the only place in the world that this trash can was manufactured was in Canada. <laughs> okay. And we needed to fix this problem fast. Right. So, Brian, the next morning, rented a truck uh -huh. and did a 56-hour road trip to Canada and back to pick these trash cans up and get wow. them to them as fast as, as we possibly could. Wow. And, uh, you know, two or three days after that, everybody had the right trash can. Wow. And uh, so that, that's what we were trying to do was, you know, we couldn't wait two weeks yeah. for the trash cans to get there. We needed them immediately. Yeah, yeah. And so Brian drove to Canada and back to pick these trash cans up for yeah. our customers. Wow. Uh, and safe to say they thought we were crazy for doing that uh. and we had we had done our job right uh, right and, and doing crazy customer service wow 
that's it sounds similar to how Amazon Amazon's uh, emphasis on customer service, right? Yeah, They're putting that first. Um, so you your company owns the trash cans. That's the inventory that you, you kind of own all the trash. Yeah, cans. It, we we bought. Uh, about 25,000 trash cans from Sterilite uh -huh, uh, uh -huh. over the course of three years. Right, right. Yeah, we, we, were kept, we kept expecting to be added to the Sterilite Rewards Program. <laughs> Maybe they'd <laughs> fly us out to Hawaii right, or take right. us on some nice hunting trip. But not, not yet. You, no, you got to get to 50,000. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten <laughs> right. that call yet. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and you also provide the, the, the manpower to move the trash cans. Uh, to, is that right? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, they're just kitchen-sized cans, okay. and then uh, we, you know, by the end, we had about a hundred employees out at night picking okay. up trash right. uh, on a part-time basis, eight to ten or eleven, or okay. uh, you know, some nights later than that. And then, do you actually take the trash from uh, from the repository out to the landfill? Is that no? We're just taking it to a trash compactor on the property. Okay, okay. I mean, we. In most cases, we're just moving trash like 100 yards. Okay, so a separate business, or is it the city that yeah, would take Yeah, and then, the, then like waste management or a public okay. would go haul the trash to the landfill. I see, okay. Yeah. Okay, wow, I never knew this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a funny little business. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. So just curious, so in my, my neighborhood, I live in College Station like, yeah. like you, uh, is this, I think my trash truck is a city truck. Yeah. And the trash can is because I just got a new trash can. I, I, oh yeah. I have two kids, and I told my kids, you know, you guys are generating too much trash. <laughs> we, I don't know why. It's probably my fault. I'm buying them too much stuff. But we now have three trash cans. Everyone wow. else on our street has just one <laughs> or two. So I, I, I was like, how do I? I get in, I need a new trash can. Yeah. And I, call, I had to call the city, and I ended up paying eleven dollars for my new trash can. Okay. Um, so in that case, I, I'm guessing my services is fully public. It's, it's provided yeah. by the city. And some cities do that. And uh, some uh, other places have uh, contracts are signed with private right. companies I to see. do okay. hauling. It, okay. it just kind of varies. Right, right. I actually would have preferred privatizing it, actually. That, I always well, prefer that. <laughs> yeah, privatize everything. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you and I are on the same page yeah. on, on that yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so how many years did uh, uh, you run your business? Because uh, uh, you eventually sold it. Is that Correct, right? yeah. yeah. Three years. Three years, okay. Almost to the day. Oh wow! And that was did you because of you wanted for the, for that personal goal of yours or the, um, the what you were well uh, for? I mean you were twenty that would be twenty nine when you yeah I was twenty nine when we yeah, sold it yeah and uh, it I mean it did work out yeah. in uh, in that way to to yeah. accomplish that goal um, it had really kind of gotten to a point where we were pretty dense in Austin uh -huh. and not very dense and. Uh, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, right, right, and College Station, for that matter. Yeah, and we either needed to double down and really build out formal offices in every major market in Texas. Yeah, uh, or sell it. Uh, you know, the way we were doing it was not sustainable. We uh -huh. needed we needed full staff in every city. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, which was going to require raising more money and maybe three or four more years of building. Right. Uh, we we had basically accomplished what we were trying to accomplish. We were trying to get to thirty thousand units, and uh -huh. um, we came up a little bit short on on thirty thousand units under management that uh -huh. that we were serving. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, we ended up around twenty five, um, and so we, we felt like we'd accomplished our basically accomplished our goal and everybody's going to be real happy uh, with the result uh, f between me and my partner and the investors in the business yeah. um, and so we, we ended up selling and 
we sold to a company called Valley Living that uh, was backed by, at the time, by Harvest and Aries. Yeah. And um, they were a great buyer, great to work with. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, I, I liked everybody that, that I interacted with at yeah. that company. It was a good yeah. experience. So those three years, uh, I mean, I'm guessing that that was a period of rapid growth for you and yeah. the company. Yeah. What, 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 I guess qualitatively, what was that like? What were some of the biggest challenges? How did you overcome them? <clears throat> Uh, staffing was incredibly difficult, uh, which is oftentimes the case with a lot of um, labor-intensive jobs. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and then on top of that, what, what we were offering most people was a part-time job at night. Yeah. Um, and, and our average employee worked eight to five during the day yeah. and just wasn't making enough to make ends meet. Sure. And they needed to pick up another job. Sure. And we wanted their experience with us to be uh, supportive, encouraging, uh, where, they, uh, where they felt like they, they had the support and resources to uh, take care of their families. Right, right. Um, anyways, we <coughs> hiring was, was challenging. Uh, be, being labor-heavy labor and part-time. Uh-huh. Uh, over the course of three years, we probably had to hire 700 people. Wow. Uh, and and wow. fully staffed there at the end, we were at 115. Wow. And so it was just a lot of turnover, uh, people, uh, would, would get burned out working yeah. two jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the work was extremely difficult. I mean, we had a lot of people say that they've never done harder work in their entire life oh, yeah, than yeah. moving trash at night. Yeah. It was very, very challenging. Wow. And, uh, and it all had to happen at night, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah was that all. because of the, the labor force that was available at night or just? No, it's just the way that the service the worked. The service works, um, right. you, you wanted to give the residents a chance to get home from work and put wow. their trash out and, and then we'd wow. pick it up at night. Did that mean that you were kind of always on? Kind of, you sort always. of had to be worked the full day, then also all the action is happening at night. Yeah, yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah, I bet. I bet that sounds like it. Um, but uh, we we had to get really, really good at hiring people quickly and onboarding them quickly and uh-huh. training them quickly, uh-huh. uh, just because of the turnover that was happening. And for context, we we're paying people. Uh, in most cases, over twenty dollars an hour to pick up trash. Wow! Uh, is that above market, or is that? Oh yeah. Oh wow! Oh yeah. And you still couldn't hire everyone you needed. No, no. Wow. And when COVID hit, uh, uh-huh. and you know, people people were getting laid off. Yeah. And we had a ton of job applications. We got like a hundred job applications in a month. This uh-huh. was like March fifteenth to April fifteenth of twenty twenty. Uh-huh. And then uh, a lot of like the unemployment benefits started hitting. Yeah. And we got five job applications the next month after wow. all of that stuff started wow. uh, wow. coming in place. So it made it extremely, extremely challenging to stay staffed. And yeah. I mean, you see that a lot of businesses are still having problems trying to hire enough people to, to stay operational. Right, right. Uh, and that, that, that was hard to, to see that firsthand. You know, just curious, a little side digression. When I, when I think about these issues, I'm, so I'm a labor economist by training. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, you know, our innovation center, we do a lot on robotics. Uh, I actually uh, am the advisor for Aggie Robotics. Oh yeah. I, I'm just curious if, if there's a robot that could help here. You know. If there is, <laughs> it would take somebody with your size brain to figure it out, and not mine. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there is. Yeah. We, we thought about that. 
I mean, there's a lot of interesting variables, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If everybody followed the rules correctly, right. maybe it would work. Put right. the trash, tie it in the trash can yeah. at the correct time. Yeah, yeah. But then you get all these other variables, like somebody yeah. breaks down a box and puts it behind their trash can or sets a, you know, a watermelon on the side of the trash can. Right, like, right. You know, it, there, there are a lot of variables that you run into. Stairs yeah. um, being a big one. Yeah, that's right. You got a robot that can climb stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are those robots, but I don't think they could also take, carry, carry a trash can. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. Well, we got some work to do, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, it, it's funny. It's, it seems like, like in robotics, there are some areas of AI that the more open it gets, it gets harder, obviously. Really? And I, it's almost, it, as simple as it sounds, trash is probably too hard right now for where AI is, artificial intelligence is right now for uh, for this, but you know we'll see. <laughs> well, things are moving quick, <laughs> yeah. innovating quick, and uh, we may be having a different conversation in five years. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, okay, so so then let me uh, so now let's let's keep going. So you uh, you sold the company, uh, yeah. And uh, and what'd you do after that? What was that? What was next for you? I napped every afternoon for like <laughs> nine months. Yeah, I don't blame you. Right, yeah, right, right. Uh, we you know we. Since 2017, we've had three children. We've got a, a uh -huh. boy that. Congratulations. Th th thank you. Yeah. That just turned three. We've got a girl that's one and a half, and uh -huh. we've got another girl that's uh, four months. Oh, wow. And oh, uh, yeah. at the time, this was, you know, August 2020. Yeah. Our daughter had not been sleeping it really oh, very yeah. well at night. So yeah. we've been up, you know, multiple times during yeah. the night. Moved to College Station, finally had her own room. She'd yeah. been sleeping in our bedroom because yeah. our old house, we only had two bedrooms. Right, right. Our son was sleeping in one. Right. She slept in her own room and slept through the night. And uh, oh. we were like, okay, we can finally catch up on rest. <laughs> and so we rested yeah, and yeah. napped almost every afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, needed to do that because I, I think I was, and probably my wife too, were just physically unhealthy. Oh, I bet. I bet. We're yeah. just tired. Yeah. You were up late every night, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With work and then with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we rested and uh, and launched, uh, then launched uh, Bronco Ventures. Uh -huh. uh, me and uh, two partners, Brian Skolsky from VWS, uh -huh. uh, my partner in the trash business. One other guy named Jordan Needham, uh -huh. uh, who's a dear friend of ours. And uh, you know, we, we, we call him the brain of our group. He's, he's the brain that we needed uh, and we're lacking. Yeah. And so we set out to, to buy some blue collar businesses. Huh. And uh, it took a year before we bought our first business. Uh -huh. And I mean, we were searching fairly earnestly. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, couldn't find deals at the, at the right price or with the right characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Um, the right location. Well, we finally found our, our first first business uh, about a year in. It was a pest control business called uh -huh. Intech Pest Management uh -huh. that we bought. Uh, it's in Bryan and Brenham. Uh -huh. Great uh -huh. business, uh -huh. uh, great reputation in the pest control industry. And uh, I'm actually running that right now. Oh, you are? Okay. We bought the first one with our own money Yeah. just to uh, test if we were able to identify a good business uh, conduct diligence, close on it, yeah. and effectively conduct a ownership transition. We didn't want to put anybody else's money at stake yeah. uh, since we'd never done it before. Right. And so we bought it ourselves and uh, it's gone quite well. 
Uh, today, actually, we we are set to close on a septic business uh -huh. uh, in South Central Texas. Uh -huh. It'll be our second business to buy uh -huh. entirely, and uh, we're we're excited about this one. It's a, it's a bit larger than yeah. the first one that we bought, and that uh, was the first business that we raised money for. That that went quite well. Yeah, and so we're we're uh, hunting for other great businesses that right. are looking to sell uh, for any variety of reasons and uh, hope to do an excellent job of continuing people's legacy yeah, and yeah. Uh, taking care of their employees and making it an even better place to work for, right. for them and an even better place to be served by uh, for, for the customers. Great, great. And are you planning on also running that, that business? That no, I'm not going to be running that no, one. No, no, okay. Uh, okay. My partner Brian is going to be running that actually. Okay. Um, we, we wanted to, to, I mean, this is just our second deal to right, do. Right, right. Felt good having a partner uh, running this one, and um, he, he's, he's going to do a tremendous job. Okay. He, he's just got energy for days and yeah, yeah. Uh, thoughtfulness. And, That's great. Um, with it being the first one that we raise money for, we want to make sure we, we get this one right, too. Right. And this, the, the business you're running now, you're running it full time? This. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, between Intech and, and Bronco uh, and, and personal investments, yeah. that that's kind of takes up my work day right, right now. Right, right, right. And so I'm curious, why why did you decide to move to call back to College Station? Tell me about that. Well, we uh, we my wife and I, Kelly, yeah. we, we always wanted to raise our kids on some land. Yeah. And we looked yeah. everywhere, uh, right. in between Fredericksburg, all the way over to Tyler, north right. to Waco, right. south to. San Marcos, and uh, and we found some stuff that we really liked. Yeah. But the prospect of being close to families like ours yeah. uh, with young kids was fairly unlikely. Right, right. We found some land here uh, that we liked a lot uh -huh. and felt that there's a pretty good chance that there'd be some other young families, yeah. at least relatively close by. Yeah. And we loved College Station, yeah. and so we moved back here, and uh, it's a wonderful place to raise kids. Yep. A lot of great churches here, yep. Yep. and um, we've we've thoroughly enjoyed it so far. It's been a, a very different pace from what we knew in Austin, right. where there was always something to go to five, seven days a week. Yeah, that's right. And uh, now, you know, if we're going to a dinner once or twice a week it's a big week for us I mean, we're <laughs> right. pretty busy yeah 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 yeah. it's a nice change of pace yeah 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 that's great to hear actually i'm, I'm, I'm a, i've lived in i moved here five years ago and i'm trying to get as many people here as possible are so. you recruiting too i am i am i am especially well, we for the alums the oh, al yeah. getting the alums here i think that is that will calisation will then really hit escape velocity because oh yeah because we're you know obviously we're we're huge for the for the students and the alums do come back for football but but we want to build that community. Uh, so, I mean, just curious on that topic, what, um, uh, what do you think, so those are all the benefits. What else could we do to attract more alums to come back to the area, do you think? I mean, I, I think, um, oh, how long do you have? <laughs> I, <clears throat> so he, here's a couple of thoughts. I think we, we need more unique uh, dining experiences. Yeah. Uh, there, there's really just a handful of restaurants that we love to go to right college station um, I mean no, nobody you know goes on a 
vacation and, and says, oh, we just had the best dinner at Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> you know, you, you want a unique experience, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, I, I would love to see uh, some new restaurant concepts pop sure, up. Sure. I think that'd do a lot for the city. Um, I think it'd be great if more young professionals moved back here and started businesses. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there really is a very healthy business community. Yep. Bryan College Station, yeah. over to Brenham and, and the surrounding counties that's right. and cities. That's right. Um, and so I think there's a lot of uh, potential for, for new businesses to pop up here. Yeah. And I, I love it. I mean, I know the city of Bryan was doing a lot to attract businesses into right. the area. Right, right. I think College Station would be well served to do something similar. Yeah. Um, so I think that between some like unique uh, dining experiences and some new innovative entrepreneurial people moving back to the city and yeah. starting things, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we we could see uh, even more rapid growth in the in the areas already seeing. That's right. That's great. Yeah, and, I, and I'm 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 a big optimist on on A and M and and College Station. So I oh, think yeah. especially on the innovation side, there's a lot happening, you know, it's a big institution, so it takes time for the to move the Titanic. Right. But, uh, you know, I think we're playing the long game, and, you know, Texas is booming overall, oh, A&M yeah. is, is, is growing like crazy. What's your answer? What do you, what do you think it's going to take? You know, it's funny, but the food question, I get that, you know, it's funny, people always mention that. And, really? And it's, maybe I, I don't have my well-defined taste buds. I, I've, I've, you know, I'm a professor, and I've eaten college food my whole life, so, <laughs> so, so it's, been, it's been fine to me. Um, I think the I think the community is is the challenge. You know, is getting when I talk to students, right? And I talk to students who um, they all the first year out, they all want to leave College Station. And I yeah. get that, right? And then I and sometimes they get um, I, the, the decision point is exactly when you when they start to have kids. That's when there's an opportunity to get yeah. them back because it's it's going to be hard to compete with Austin and Dallas for a single, you know, 23-year-old or 24-year-old. Right. That's a hard place to be a it's professional, hard, yeah. like a very young professional. Yeah, exactly right. Um, then at that point, I think we just need to get enough uh, alums like you and to build a little bit of a community. And, and, and I think that community can really provide something that you can't get in the big cities. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. yeah, There's something special about being in a, a smaller place. I mean, yeah. Dallas, Austin, Houston, to me, just felt so gigantic. It right. was hard to figure out. Right how things worked and what the structure was and what the organizations were to plug into and who the right. centers of influence were. Right, right, Here, right. it's just much easier to figure out and you can feel like you're getting plugged in, making a difference, serving in the right places. That's right. Uh, and w we just enjoy that so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wanna just kind of drill down a little bit on your, um, uh, your education at A&M. Yeah. What parts of it do you feel were the most useful for your career as an entrepreneur? And what could have been better? We're talking uh, kind of the, the the four and a half years as a whole, or are you talking about in the classroom? I would say both. If you could, you could answer it both both ways, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I I, I had a great experience outside the classroom, uh -huh. just uh, getting to start organizations, getting to serve in organizations, getting to lead organizations, that's where I developed the most. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I, I got to be president of the student body in 2012 and 2013, right, right. and through that got to start a couple of things. There, there's something here on campus called the 12th Can, it's a uh -huh. food pantry uh -huh, on, uh -huh. on campus, and we got to start that. And um, 
you know, it was cool to see a need. You know, I'd heard that there were A&M students who were living under bridges, uh, showering at the rec center, wow. and skipping meals because wow. they didn't have enough money to uh -huh. have a place to live or to eat food. Uh, and that was shocking to me. I thought yeah. it was unacceptable. Yeah. I thought that, you know, the least we can do is at least give these these people something to eat. Yeah. And so we, <clears throat> we started this food pantry. Huh. And, um, you know, it was awesome. Uh, the, the student athlete advisory committee, um, which was led at the time by a gal named Janelle Lysak, who tragically passed away recently, uh -huh. um, was a classmate of mine uh -huh. and somebody who had a great impact on my life. Uh -huh. She was like, we're all in, we want to help. And so they, at one football game, they raised money for us and they raised like $50,000 for this uh -huh. food pantry to get off the ground. And that was Janelle, um, who took the lead on that and got people bought in and made it happen. Yeah. Um, all that to say, I, I learned at A&M that I liked starting things, right. and that I, I could do that. I was gifted in that area. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that propelled me to, to dream and uh, think, yes, one day I can start a business and I think I can be successful because I've done this before. I've had some practice. Right, right. And so that, that, was, uh, that was the greatest impact that, that was made on me through my experience at A&M. Uh -huh, uh -huh. uh, inside the classroom, uh, I probably could have chosen my classes better. Uh -huh. I, I, I wish I would have had some type of class on entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, and I, I mean, there were organizations for that. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't aware of classes at the time that yeah. were doing work on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was never, I studied finance. I was never going to go work for J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. Right. Uh, one, because it didn't interest me, and two, because I don't think they would have ever let me step foot <laughs> in one of their offices uh, with right. my, my GPA and, and really understanding of was that finance. Was that the culture uh, at Mays back then, that that was the goal that every student was sort of aspiring to? I mean, people wanted to be investment bankers or consultants. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what all the top students want to do. Right. And, and I, I think it's probably still the same way. Are, are you seeing something different? Well, you know, it's a deep, I'll be on, I'll totally frank with you, and, uh, and, and uh, I'm tenured, so I can be. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, ultimately the, the, the deepest uh, irony at A&M, which is, at Mays actually, because Mays, as a, as a um, it, it's still, still, even now, to me it sounds a little, it seems a little strange, but it still seems like primarily the students are aiming for I would almost say yesterday's industries. I mean, they're, they're aiming for investment, Wall Street in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, investment banking and consulting and accounting, like the big four, are still, the, they draw the most of the students. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, what's, um, what's a little, what's puzzling about that is that if you think about Lowry Mays and who he was, he was a petroleum engineer who randomly, essentially, bought a radio station. Hmm. And he stumbled into this and he decided, you know, no one knows about this. I'm going to try to uh, understand this better than anyone else. And he took this enormous risk and was fabulously successful, hmm. right? And that is really part of the ethos of, of the Mays Business School. Yeah. But we need, to, we need to do a better job communicating that to the students that this is our legacy and this is kind of our aspiration. Yeah. Um, so which is why I think it's, it's very, I mean, you'll, you'll notice, I mean, we have a lot of entrepreneurship innovation activities on campus now and we're all on the same team we just we want to emphasize the the, the the importance of building things from scratch and, yeah. and innovating and trying things differently yeah well, I think it's a tremendous point and um, you know I, I've 
given talks to students before and yeah. I kind of, uh, you know, rib them a little bit about, you know, don't go be a consultant because right. that's, that's what all my friends went to do. They went right. to go be consultants. Right. right. And, um, you know, I, I've always thought that have you have you lived in a big city before? I have, yeah. Where yeah. city? Sh- Chicago and D- Washington D.C. Okay, yeah. So if you live on the outskirts of either of those cities, yeah. and you're trying to drive into downtown uh-huh. at seven, eight in the morning, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to run into a ton of traffic. Right, right. right. That's right. Uh, I've always thought like, I want to go the opposite direction of wherever the traffic is yeah. going. Yeah, There's less competition. It's right. going to be easier to get there. That's right. And. Um, I think so many of these students are are going to be consultants or investment bankers, and you know there, there's a ton of competition, which is great. You know they they yeah. they are able to succeed and uh, compete and 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 uh, do well in that environment. And that that's good for their character. Right. Um, but I think there's just the the most successful people I've ever met in my life all thought about the world differently and they did different things and they took risks and uh it wasn't just doing things differently they were also very secure in who they were and and their character and how they were going to treat people right and their work ethic right um and so i i always want to encourage people to think differently yeah don't be scared to do different things don't be scared to take risks right especially when you're young i mean there's there's not a better time to do something different yeah yeah Uh, i i encourage people to think about their careers as a story Uh Uh, you know every little line on a resume has a story and every little experience is not just an experience it's something that you can share with people it's a story and um you know, in, in, instead of going to intern for XYZ consulting company or XYZ right. bank, right. Uh, do something crazy. Yeah. You know, go go work on a fishing boat in Alaska. Go yeah. work for a really small startup that yeah. uh, <clears throat> is trying to change the world. Right. Uh, that's going to make for a far more interesting story yeah. and a lot more interesting experience that will serve you well for, for many more years. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I, yeah. I go overboard on my yeah, encouraging yeah. No, young that, people that, that to do so something different. That is so necessary for the students to hear that. I, I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get, to, I'll t- if I can. I mean, you know, obviously, it's let me. I've been dealing with students here for a long time. If I can channel a lot of their their fears that they don't always voice, is that there's, um, you know, at A and M, there's, uh, and you can. I'd like you to respond to this because yeah. if if you can. You know, they've a lot of our students. They grow up uh, aiming for uh, coming to A and M. That's their opportunity at the big time. And when they get here, what, what the university does is it sets up for them kind of a almost like a yellow brick road to get into like PwC or to Halliburton into yeah. corporate America. And it's very easy for them to just take that path. And there there aren't enough. Um, there there are some of them have a lot of great ideas, but they're scared to to uh, to take that risk to try something new. When everyone around them is largely moving down this uh, down this yellow brick road, yeah. What wh- what can you say to those students? How how could you? What else could you? Um, for for given that the programming is roughly consistent for uh, for kind of taking the the straight and narrow. Well, <clears throat> I think you're exactly right. I, th- I think there's a, another piece to it. Uh, when you're in college, and I'm I was guilty of this. You don't know anything about anything. Yeah. You don't know how the world works. Yeah. Um, if if you asked me in college what I wanted to be when I grow, grew up, I would have said I want to be a consultant. Yeah. 
And I actually applied to be a consultant uh-huh. at Deloitte uh-huh. when I was president of student body and I tried hard. Like I went to the events and everything and introduced myself to the recruiting coordinators. And I remember one day I uh, took a test at Mays, bombed it, was walking back to lot 100, got an email from Deloitte, said, uh, you know, thanks for applying. You have not been given an interview. Right. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Right. I like really tried at this. Right, I, right. I thought, you know, I'd be great, a great consultant for Deloitte. And they didn't even interview me. Yeah. And thank goodness they didn't. Yeah. Because uh, at, at that point in time, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do something totally different. I, I don't want to play this game. I, right. I want to try and do something different. Right. Um, so anyways, what people know is you're supposed to be a banker. You're supposed to be a consultant. You're supposed to go work for a big four accounting yeah. firm. Yeah. Um, my wife mentors a, a junior in college at A&M, and she's talking about internships right now. Yeah. I was like, what, what are you going to intern? What kind of internship do you think you're going to do? She said, probably consulting. Yeah. I was like, why? She's like, oh, it's just kind of what you're supposed to do. Right, right. And... Um, they, college students just don't, don't more often than not, do not know about the really cool, innovative companies that are doing amazing things. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, they'd be well served by hearing about Icon, who, you right. know, Jason Ballard, who you had in here a few weeks ago. Right. 3D printing houses yeah. on the moon. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they need to hear about these companies that are doing awesome things. That's right. And uh, there's just not a good, uh, I don't think there's a real good collection of, of uh, companies that are innovating and doing cool stuff for them to learn about. Right, right. So, so uh, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to fi- fix it. Well, at least I'm trying to fix that as yeah. much as I can. But we, we want to eventually start a, uh, like a bus trip to different, the different cities and connect with Aggies who are running companies like Icon yeah. just to get that exposure. Because like, yeah. right, a lot of them, a lot of the kids, don't, they just don't know. Yeah. And uh, that's the, that'll be the first step. And then hearing from people like you, I think this message is so important. It's honestly, it's it's probably the most important thing that universities could do, and we don't do it enough. Yeah. It's it's uh, you know I've been a professor my whole life, and uh, it, you know I feel like everything we do at universities, all the research, all the teaching, just getting kids to expand their horizons. We don't put any any real formal emphasis on it, and and we we need to. Yeah. Well, I think you're you're so, doing the Lord's work. Yeah. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so what's next for you? Do you do you do you see yourself? Uh, is College Station kind of the the end game? Do you think? Or, or I mean, we're very happy yeah. here and don't have any intent to move. Yeah. Uh, you know, we 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 love where we're living. We love the the people that we become friends with. We yeah. love uh, our kids' friends. It's kind of crazy yeah. that they're starting to make friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and so we're 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 very happy here. I think from a business perspective, it's it's a place I love to work right. uh, with good people, right. and uh, and so you know I don't I don't have any plan to leave. It, it's I mean I wish the summers were a little less hot. <laughs> right, right, but, right, 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 right. Uh, all in all, we we live a very very blessed and simple life, okay. and uh, wouldn't change anything. What are what from your perspective? What are some thoughts you'd have on um, how the university could could uh, engage with alumni like yourself more? or uh, offer ways to mentor students? I don't know if you do any mentorship of students. Um, some, some yeah. uh, not, not formally, okay. just very informally. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I mean, the association and Porter and Nick and all them do yeah. a great job of engaging former students, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Tyson's doing a great job at yeah. the A&M Foundation and engaging alumni. Um, I mean, there's, there's a gazillion different student organizations that have alumni groups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a real shift that happened, I think, over the years. Uh, you know, years ago, people identified with their class. Right. And so class reunions were a very big thing. Right. Um, now, I think, I think people more associate with the organizations that they were a part of yeah. at A&M. Yeah. Uh, because that's where they made their closest friends. Yeah. And so uh, now I think organizational alumni groups are more uh, vital. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes more difficult to structurally set up systems where alumni can engage with uh, current students when uh, the organizations are so dispersed. Right, right. Um, I mean, how many student organizations are there oh, on campus right now? At least 2,000. Yeah. There's a ton. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, it's really hard to kind of front, take a top-down approach of like, you know, this, this is how you are going to engage with the, as alumni with current students. Right, right. And so it's, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. I think it's happening in, in, in not a very trackable way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like I was a part of this group called Aggie Men's Club. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had an alumni weekend last uh -huh. fall. Uh -huh. Ton of alumni came, uh -huh. ton of students there, had a great time, relationships uh -huh. were formed, yeah. people have stayed in touch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not something that the university knows is happening. Right. But it's happening. Right, 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 right. I, and I've seen Mays. And that's probably one of the most effective effective organizations out there, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've seen Mays do, uh, they've sent out surveys about, you know, do you want to mentor a, right. a current student? And so I think stuff's happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. Just, uh, you know, bringing on people to, to hear about their life and, and, I hope that students reach out to the people that you have on the show to right. ask questions right. and to engage. Yeah. Um, I spoke to a class earlier this semester and I said, you know, nope, whenever I speak to groups, I always give my email and nobody ever emails. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, this class is Dr. Welch's class. Yeah. I had like five or six people email just oh, okay. wanting to stay in touch yeah. and wanting to ask a few questions. Right. And, right. Uh, and so, I, I think alumni want to engage, yeah. they want to help, they yeah. want to teach, yeah, yeah. and uh, I want to encourage your listeners, to the extent that they're students, to take alumni up on that. Right. Reach out to them, engage, right. ask questions. Yeah. Uh, we love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Aggie Network is the most valuable asset we have. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. there's no doubt. Um, so. Uh, Great. Yeah. So we are we are uh, just about out of time. I wanted to uh, thank you, John, for for taking the time. Thank uh, you for having me. And uh, and really thank you for coming back to College Station. I, I hope that we can find ways to integrate you with all of what we're doing here, both at the university and at the Mays Innovation Research Center, over the long haul. I think we see a lot of the the same issues that we need to address with students. Yeah. And. Um, and you know, I, and I, I really enjoyed hearing about uh, everything you've, you've, you've accomplished so far and, and about your life ahead. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It was a big time. And uh, you know, if we got any future garbage men or women <laughs> uh, listening to this, you, you reach out to me. I, I, I can talk all day about it. Yeah.
Great. Thanks, Karat. Okay, thank you, John.